Open your Bibles, if you will, to um, Luke again. As we um, come near to the um, to the Christmas, we find that um, we can look at these very um, popular readings that we have in our Bibles, and what we read this morning um, is read every Christmas time, and. Um, Often it's taken for granted. Very familiar passages can be taken for granted once we have heard them so many times. But let me explain um, this story for you. We have the scene that um, is recorded by Luke, that Mary and Joseph, we read, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while, now how do you say that name? Quirinius. Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, you may think, what's all that about? I'll tell you now, this part of our Bible reading, this part of the, the Bible is rooted in time, space, and history. It's not somewhere far away over the hill in a land long, far, far away, long, long ago. It is rooted in history. We have Caesar Augustus. We have the entire Roman world. We have this man with a funny name, governor of Syria. These are time and spaces rooted in, 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 in history. Very important. Not a word in the Bible just put there because it's it got nothing else to say. It is not about a, a land far away over the hill where we don't even know. It's rooted in time, space, and history. And so now we find Mary and Joseph going up to Bethlehem. And we read that um, she had the baby. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You see, I, I know the verse, and I don't even read it, the same thing that's on the board, because there was no guest room available for them. But actually, you know the words. Well, you know, in those days, they, when they have a baby, they wrap them in the Middle East, they wrap them in cloth. And that's what Mary did. Now, I wanted to borrow a baby, but no one, no parent would give me their child this morning. So um, I decided to get one myself. And, you know, you've got a baby here. And what happened is that Mary got hold of some cloth. And the Bible says that she must have ripped this cloth. There it goes. One bit here, another bit here. I don't know how expensive the cloth was that she had. But she had some cloth. And she ripped the cloth... And the Bible says that she wrapped the baby with the cloth. Here you go, another one here. So wrapping around his head. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a pretty good job right there. And the Bible says that she took cloth 
and she wrapped the baby. Now, I want to draw some, some things from that because um, the first thing that I want to say this morning, seeing the real Jesus. You see, as you see me uh, wrapping this baby with cloth, Jesus was probably wrapped in fairly ordinary cloth. I can't say it was cheap cloth. I don't know what type of cloth it was, but it was some form of cloth that Mary had. You know, if you are having a baby, and some of us here have just recently had babies, you're told to make sure you bring in your baby bag a towel. And so the mothers normally go to mother care or they might go to M&S and they might buy the softest, the most fluffiest towel they can find. The husband might say, I've got a towel in the garage that we could use. But that is not good enough. Normally they will have to have a new towel and the towel is wrapped and used round the baby. But Mary had to use what she had at the time. They were not wealthy. They were not rich. They were ordinary peasant people. And they took a cloth, tore it, and wrapped it round the baby Jesus. Now, before the Christmas story, I asked myself a question when I was preparing this message. I asked myself, what did God wrap himself with before Christmas? What did God wrap himself with before Bethlehem? And I thought about that. My mind turned to Psalm 104. And it says this. First of all, the psalm opens up the psalm of David and it says, Praise the Lord, my soul. David here, he had to speak to himself. My soul, he says. My soul, sometimes my soul don't want to praise God. Sometimes my soul don't want to come to church. Sometimes my soul don't want to bow down in prayer or to open his word. But David speaks to himself this morning. And David says, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And everything that's within me, bless his holy name. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, sometimes you've got to talk to yourself. And tell yourself to praise God. And so David says that in his opening, and then he's lost in praise. He goes, Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. You are clothed, he says, with splendor and majesty. I can remember, uh, well, not can't remember, it really, I was watching on YouTube, the coronation of the queen. Prince Charles was only about eight years old. As I was watching the coronation of the queen, it was a, it was a magnificent um, setting. The queen, um, you see her standing up and she's given this great golden mantle, it's called. The name of it is Imperial Rome. And she's clothed with this mantle. She then turns and sits down. And as she sits down, she's brought a ring in a, on a cushion of sapphire and ruby is given to her. On her right hand, she has a royal scepter given to her. On her left hand, a rod of mercy. And then comes the royal crown on a cushion. This huge crown is brought to her. And it's taken and it's placed on her head. 
And as it's placed on her head, the men that all surround her, they all put their hats on their heads and cry out, long live the queen, long live the queen. And there's trumpets and blasts and everybody cheers. It's an amazing ceremony. You can check it out on YouTube. Absolutely fascinating. But the splendor of that, as wonderful as it seemed to us, the splendor of that is like a glowworm at night compared to the sun in all its brilliance. Compared to a glowworm is the royalness of the majesty of the queen compared to the splendor of God Almighty. Absolutely uncomparable. And this man here is caught up. David is caught up in the splendor. But then he says something that's amazing. He says this. The Lord wraps himself in light. Here in Bethlehem, we see Mary wrapping the baby Jesus with a cloth. But before that, we read in the Old Testament, the Lord wraps himself with light. Well, I want to speak about that for a few moments because here we see God himself doing something absolutely amazing. You see, light speaks of the holiness of God. Some of you might remember when Moses um, came upon a burning bush in the middle of a, the desert. He, he came upon a burning bush, and as he approached the burning bush, we read these words um, in Exodus. We read, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. It was only a, 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 a bush in the middle of the desert. There's many bushes and deserts all, uh, all around. But, but, but there God came down upon that bush. And he says to Moses, don't come any closer. Take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy. Paul picks this up when he writes over in um, the New Testament. And he gets caught up in praise when he thinks about God. And when he gets caught up in praise, he says, with God, God will, which God will bring about in his own time. God, he says, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. He says that God lives, God dwells in unapproachable light. The brightness of him means that you cannot approach him. The brightness of him means you cannot draw near. He wraps himself, the Bible says, with light. That you cannot draw near to him. But now what is this? We turn our attentions to Bethlehem. We turn our thoughts to the manger. We turn our thoughts to a stable. And what do we see? We see the Son of God wrapped in cloths. We see the Son of God wrapped in rags. 
And the reason why he is wrapped in rags is that one day he could turn around to the disciples and say to them, one day, Lord, when Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time. Here it is. Anyone, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You see, Jesus, the one who was clothed and wrapped in light, is now in a manger, wrapped in rags. And the reason why, the fact that that is so, is that you and I can draw near to unapproachable light. You and I can come near to one who wraps himself in light, and yet Jesus turns around and says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the unapproachable light except through me. And the reason why that is possible is because I was wrapped in cloths. I was wrapped in cloths so that you can draw near to God. But also, this unapproachable light speaks to us about revelation. This fact that God wraps himself in light speaks to us about revelation. You see, the Apostle Paul was on 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 the road to to Damascus. And while he was on his road, he had an experience. He had an amazing experience. See, while he was on that road, he met with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he says. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We, were all, we all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Arabic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, replied the Lord. Paul turns around and says, it was about noon. The sun was at its zenith, the highest point. The sun was shining bright. But as I was on the road, there was a light, he says, that came from heaven. Brighter, he says, brighter than the sun. It was so awesome. It was so bright. It was so amazing that I fell to the ground. There was a light from heaven that was brighter than the sun. And then when I asked the question, who are you? The voice came back. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Let me stop here. Some of you need to know who you're dealing with this morning. Some of you need to know whom you are dealing with. You see, you're not dealing with some kind of, you know, backstreet boy. You're not dealing with some kind of um, prophet or some kind of good teacher or some kind of person who gives you good advice on how you live your life. No, no, no. You are dealing with one who is wrapped in light. 
You're dealing with one who turns around and says to, to Paul, it's no good you're fighting against me. It's no good you're kicking against me. You may think you can hide from me. You may think you can deceive me. You may think you can trick me. But I want to tell you, I am light and I feel everything in every way. You're dealing with a son of God who's clothed in light. I think some of you need to know and remember who you are dealing with. And oftentimes we place him to one side and we say, oh, you know, I can push him there and keep him there. But I want to tell you this morning, you're dealing with a son of God. And Paul had to meet with him face to face. It's amazing. This one who is wrapped in light is now found in a manger wrapped in rags. Why? Why? As I was getting ready for church this morning, I don't know if you've ever done this yourself before, but I was getting ready to church this morning. I was all nice and clean, all ready to go. I was cleaning the kitchen. And in one hand, I had a can of Coke that was drunk and empty to go in the bin. In the other hand, I had a spoon, a teaspoon. I opened the dustbin, and I threw the teaspoon in the dustbin. And I had a can of Coke in my hand. This morning. And so I had to go into the bin looking for this spoon. It's probably the worst spoon I had. I thought to myself, I'm sure that was the most grubbiest spoon in, the, in, in, my, in, my, in my drawer. But nevertheless, I went into, and then mayonnaise got in my hand, and, and lettuce and butter, and then other stuff got all over my, and I pulled my hand, and I thought, how difficult it is to find a spoon in a bin. But eventually, I got this spoon out, and, 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 and it was the worst spoon in the bag. And I washed my hand. I thought, do you know what? As I was washing my hands, God went into the dustbin of this world. And he got himself dirty because he's searching for the worst spoon in our society. The worst man, the worst woman. No matter where you think you've gone or what you have done, God searches out for you and he became rags was clothed in rags in order that he can put his hand into a filthy, disgusting world and to bring out men and women for God. Praise be to God Almighty. Taking on human flesh, taking on a human appearance, becoming weak and frail, he became man. You know, when I finished... That going into the bin, I had to wash my hands and be nice and clean. But you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ, that fallen body, that weak body, he's taken into glory. When you get to heaven, you will see a man, Christ Jesus. And he's come down to pick you out and me out. And to bring us out from this trash and this rubbish that we find ourselves in. The holiness of God. But not only that, this Jesus, this God who before the Christmas story, before he was wrapped in rags, was wrapped in light. The Bible tells me something else. It talks to me about power. Look what it says in 1 John. Sorry, John 1.5. 
the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There's two words for overcome. In the NIV, you've got the word overcome and at the footnote, it's also got the word understood. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not understood it. So I want to say two things. First, understood. They did not understand. You see, this child wrapped in cloth, the whole world looks on today and they cannot understand God's plan. They cannot understand God's plan. They cannot understand that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. They don't understand that. They don't understand that the whole world is shrouded in darkness. And the Bible tells us we know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That is a fact. They cannot understand that people today need rescuing. They need saving. They need delivering. They need help. They cannot understand it, that they need someone to save them. They cannot understand that. They cannot understand that this child is the only means to bring them out of darkness. This child is the only means to rescue the only means to save, the only means to deliver. This child is the only means that light can come into a dark world. They don't understand that. Nobody seems to understand that. I'm there. My next door neighbor is Sikh. And he's putting up his Christmas tree. I spoke to him some years ago. He says, you know, I don't go for the Jesus bit, but I like the tree. Don't understand that this world is in darkness and there's need for light. Second thing that the John says, not only do they not understand it, but the darkness has not overcome it. The light has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. Here we have a world full of darkness. The same as in Jesus' day. The world was dark then and it's dark now. Because the heart of man has not changed. The Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Man's heart, woman's heart, has not changed. In fact, Jesus, God turns around and speaks of the world in Genesis. He can be speaking today. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil some of the time. No. Was only evil all of the time. He could be speaking about our day, can't he? Can you believe just the news We had the shooting in California, 14 dead. We had a crazy knife man in Leightonstone. 
flying around with a knife, stabbing a 50-year-old man in the neck, injuring two others. We have a man just waiting on a platform for his train and somebody comes up behind him and pushes him onto the, platform, onto the, 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 the rails to, uh, to be killed. We live in a wicked and evil and dark world. But no matter how dark it gets, no matter how black the night might be, every time you light a small flame, everyone's attention goes towards the light. Anytime you light a small match in the darkness of a situation, anytime any light comes, darkness has to flee. You know it yourself. You walk into a dark room in your house. As soon as you turn the light on in a dark room, darkness goes away. It has to flee. Well, Jesus turns around and look what he says. He turns around and says, I, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let me tell you something. When a man or woman becomes born again, listen to me. When a man or woman asks the Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life. When a man and woman ask and pray that prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ comes in and he brings light into that man's life. Darkness is dispelled. The, the, the desire for what he used to have, the desire for what he used to chase after, begin to diminish and become ugly and become reviling. And he said, I don't want that anymore. Why? Because light has come into his being. Jesus has entered into that man's life. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, even though you're walking around in pitch blackness in this world, you will walk in light. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Why? This child is wrapped in rags at Christmas time. And yet this same one from all eternity was wrapped in light. Praise be to the Lord. And when he comes in, he dispels the darkness. Let me wrap this whole message up this morning. Because this one who we see in the manger, Mary gives birth to a son. The Bible says she takes him. We don't know what type of cloth she used, but we know he wasn't very expensive. And she takes the cloth and she wraps the baby in it. But we realize that in eternity past and eternity to come, the Lord Jesus Christ is not wrapped in cloth. He's wrapped in in light. So the last thing I want to say this morning is that this world that we have, this world that so many of us love, this world is coming to an end. It's coming to a close. I hope you know that. 
We look around the news. We're talking about climate change. Everyone from Prince Charles right down to the man on the street is talking about climate change. My heart goes out to those in Keswick and in Appleby and in Scotland and in Wales where they are flooded over. Those storms are coming through and, and their whole houses have to be evacuated. We read of, of the effects of earthquakes, of extreme heat, of changing climates. The reason why it is happening is because this world is not going to last forever as we know it. This world is coming to an end. Now, that might upset some of you this morning. Some of you might think, oh, but I like here, I want to stay the rest of my life, and, 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 and I want to be here all the time. But I want to tell you this morning, the Bible tells me that this world is coming to an end. And look what Peter says. He says this. My head in here is splendor, but he says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will, dis- will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Whoa. The world as you know it, the world as I know it, is going to come to an end. And that is sad news. That is miserable news. But let me tell you the good news. It's going to be a new heaven. And a new earth. The Apostle John was in Revelation. He was in the island of Patmos. And as he was speaking to angels and seeing wonderful things from God, he was there in, in chapter 21 and he looked up and he said, and he saw this. Then I saw, he says, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw something else, he says. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. He looked up and he knew from Jesus' ministry, while he was walking with Jesus, Jesus turned around and told him that the world's coming to an end and, 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 and the disciples must have despair. But now he looks up and he says, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The earth that we are on now, the heavens that we know now, is not going to be the same. It's going to be transformed and changed. The sun is going to be gone. The moon is going to be gone. It's going to be changed. But then I ask myself a question. What's going to be the light in that city? Some of you know where I'm going with this. The Bible turns around and says, the city does not need the sun. Hallelujah. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb, the Lamb, is its light. The one that is wrapped in light will be the light of the new heaven and the new earth. The one that is wrapped in the manger, in cloths and in rags, and is placed in a manger, that same one will be the light that lights up the new heaven and the new earth. And I ask myself, why? 
Why did he condescend and come down to that place in the manger? Why did he leave the glory and the beauty of his brightness to take on rags as a baby? Why? 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 And the answer is simple. To win you. That's the answer. Simple answer, isn't it? To win men and women. To buy you back. Because you once belonged to him. You are created in his image. You bear his likeness. You carry his creative ability. He created you and made you, but now you have gone away by, 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 by the enemy. You've been stolen away, but he's come from heaven to win you back and to bring you not into a nice luxury life on earth. You sit back and say, oh, isn't it wonderful? We've got the sun shining here. We've got the moon. We've got the house. We've got the garden. Isn't it beautiful in this world? I'm telling you, this world will be passed away and he will bring in a new heaven and a new earth. And those who are won back by the blood of Christ will dwell on this new earth, will dwell with this new heaven and will see the one who is unapproachable, who dwells in unapproachable light, will see this one. But this one, once, wasn't wrapped in light, but was wrapped in rags. And because he was wrapped in rags, you can be wrapped in the splendor and in the holiness and in the righteousness of God. Oh, my dear friends, Christmas time, you will remember this baby. You will see him wrapped in swaddling bandages, whatever their poetic language might be. But he's wrapped in rags so that you might be wrapped in his glory. You're dealing with Jesus this morning. As we deal with him, we're not going to sing to close, but we're going to spend some time in prayer. I want to ask maybe if you're together sitting with somebody that you feel comfortable to pray with, maybe two or three of you can just pray together. Maybe you want to bow your heads on your own and just pray by yourself for a few moments. But we're going to just pray as a church and pray that God might be able to speak to your heart. So let's bow our heads now. Maybe you want to pray in groups. Maybe you want to pray on your own. Just for a few moments.